the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear from you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for just your word. We ask that you open our hearts to hear your word, open our ears, to hear your word, open our eyes, to perceive your word, open our minds, to understand your word, Father God, and give us the wisdom to apply your word into our lives. We thank you that nothing will hold us back from receiving and applying your word into our lives. And all this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We're good? All right. Welcome to everyone online as well and everyone here. Um, welcome to While You Are Single. Um, some of you may remember a significant event happened in the year 2000. It was the 27th Olympic Games. It took place in Sydney, Australia. As usual, all the countries were preparing for the event, and of course the United States was doing likewise. They were having the tryouts in the year 2000. And I remember the 200-meter tryouts, the sprints. The United States was trying to figure out who was going to represent and fly the flag of the United States for the 200-meter men's sprints. And the favorites at the time were, of course, Michael Johnson, who was the defending Olympic 200-meter champion. And there was Maurice Green. At the time, he was the 100-meter world champion. So there was a lot of media frenzy a lot of chatter on who was going to win the race between Michael Johnson and Maurice Green. And it was during the semifinals of the tryouts. They both ran with other athletes. Michael Johnson beat Maurice Green. But Michael Johnson did not win the race. It was some unknown kid from the University of Florida, John Capel. He won the race. When I saw that, I was like, wow. He blasted past both Michael Johnson, the 200-meter defending champion, and Maurice Green, the 100-meter champion. I was like, wow, there was no question that John Capel was going to win the gold for the United States in Sydney. Because if you beat both champions, then of course, the gold is for you. So, of course, he went to Sydney to represent the United States in the 200-meter sprints. And, of course, he made it to the finals with the fastest qualifying time. And it was the finals, 200 meters, Sydney Olympics, 2000. On your mark, set, somebody jumped the gun. What that means is somebody ran first before the umpire shut the gun. In the past, that was an issue. People jumped the gun all the time to the degree that an 11-second race turned out to be like 30 minutes because people kept jumping the gun. So they made a new rule. The first time you jump the gun, you are pardoned. The second time, it doesn't matter who it is, you're automatically disqualified. So you can imagine the kind of pressure everyone was under. So they were going to run, do it again, second time around, on your mark. Set, 
John Capel sprang up, but he didn't hear the gun shoot, so he froze. He stopped and began to come back down. While he began to come back down, the gun went off and the race began. Well, needless to say, John Capel did not win the gold. He didn't win the bronze. He didn't win the silver. He didn't come fourth. He was last. How does that happen? How does that happen? He's the fastest guy on the track. What happened? Maybe he was inexperienced. Of course, that's not the case. No. Maybe he was nervous. Well, yeah, but that's not, that's not it. How does the fastest guy not win the race? Maybe he wasn't the fastest guy. No, he was the fastest guy on the track. How come he didn't win the race? Because his timing was off. He did not win the race because his timing was off. And if you follow sprinters, they always want to get their start right. It's all about the timing. We are like John Capel. There's a race set before us. It's not a competition because everyone's race is different. And God has set your race at a set time. And at the end of that race, God has a prize for you. Whether it's a promotion, whether it's marriage, whether it's a breakthrough, God has a prize for you. And to receive that prize, it's in our best interest to run that race at the set time. Too many people are missing out from what God has for them because their timing is off. Either they get ahead of God or they lag behind God. What are the things that affect the timing of the things that we're believing God for? There are fundamentally two main things that affect the timing of what God is doing in our lives. And we can find this in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. And before we go to that verse, there's a time for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. We already know that. The first part says, there's a time for everything. Now we can move on to the two factors that fundamentally determine the timing of the things that God has for us. We can find it in Deuteronomy 29, 29. And I'm going to paraphrase that verse. It simply says, the secret things belong to God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever for us to follow the word of the law. The two main things that affect the timing of what God has for us are God and us. God and us. The things that pertain to God are hidden things. This is where, listen, you can't pray enough, you can't fast enough, you can't seek God enough, you can't study the word enough. It's not going to change what God has planned when he wants it to happen. In other words, you have no idea when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. It has nothing to do with you. These are the hidden things. And sometimes we focus too much on what God has hidden from us. That's God's business. 
God's going to do what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, and how he's going to do it. Let's not even worry about those things, okay? That is God. The other thing is us. There are things that are revealed to us, and sometimes we get so much, we focus so much on what God has hidden, and we neglect what God has revealed in Scripture. The reason he has revealed these things is for us to follow his word. It's for us to do them. That's why they are revealed. Focus on these things. I have revealed these things to you. Let's walk in it. Let's apply it. Okay? So those things pertain to us. We have to follow the things that God has revealed to us in order to receive what he has for us. The degree to which we follow what he has revealed to us will determine when and where things are going to manifest in our lives. So I want to share with you four things that pertain to us that affect the timing of what God has for us. Number one, your location. Your location. By location, I mean your environment. The people around you. It could be your city. It could be your state. It could be your job. It could be your house, your apartment. It could be your ministry. It could be your church. Your environment affects the timing of what God has for you. For example, paraphrasing, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, says something like this. God planted a garden east in Eden, and there, everybody say there, he put the man he formed, and that man happened to be Adam. God planted a garden, and God put him in that location, and it was that location that he received his wife. Along the same lines, you have to be in the right location for you to receive the person, the promotion, the breakthrough that God has for you. Another example is the story of Boaz and Ruth. We've learned a lot about both of them. Well, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 22, paraphrasing, we are told that Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, returned from Moab to Bethlehem with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And they came to Bethlehem at late spring, and the beginning of barley harvest. And for those of you who are familiar with the story of Ruth and Boaz, if you're not, I encourage you to read their story in the book of Ruth, four chapters. Ruth ended up with Boaz, but notice what happened. Notice what she did prior to her getting to Boaz. She changed location from Moab to Bethlehem. Not only are we told that she changed location, we are told when she changed location. She changed at the beginning of barley harvest. Harvest time is the time you reap the fruit of your labor. There's planting season and there's harvest season. So Ruth changed location at the beginning of barley harvest, which is usually March, April. So she goes to Bethlehem. While she was in Bethlehem, she goes to another location in Bethlehem known as Boaz's Field. 
And because she got into Boaz's field, she came into Boaz's field of view. And that's how they first met. While they were there, they had conversations, and she began to uh, uh, work behind the women that worked for him. We can find this in Ruth chapter 2, verse 23. We are told that um, Ruth continued to work behind uh, the ladies that worked for Boaz all the way through the end of barley harvest and the wheat harvest, which is around June, July. So for about three or four months, she was around Boaz. But nothing, nothing beyond. They were just, you know, co-workers, friends, or whatever you, you want to call it. Because there's a time for everything. There's a time to meet the person God has for you. There's a time to get to know the person. And there's a time to move forward into marriage and all that other stuff, okay? So here it is. She's in the right location at the right time. Well, moving right along, if you know the story, Ruth chapter 3, Naomi now tells Ruth to, you know, go where Boaz is and, uh, you know, get to know him and know where he is and let him perform the duty of a close relative. And I'm not going to get into too much detail, but Boaz was responsible to marry Ruth because she was part of his family, something like that. But to cut a long story short, Naomi tells Ruth to go to where Boaz is. And we can see this story in Ruth chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. So she's told to go to another location, the threshing floor. And while they were at the threshing floor, the Bible talks about how Ruth went quietly. Everybody say quietly. <laughs> she went quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down beside him. And the Bible says, it's in the text, at midnight. Everybody say midnight. midnight. He woke up suddenly. She didn't wake him up. She just had to be in the right location. At midnight, he woke up, and he turned over, and he was startled to see a woman by his feet. And he asked, who are you? And if you read the story, you know, he told him in not so many words that he's supposed to perform the duty of a close relative. Basically, you're supposed to marry me and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, they did get married, okay? But let's look at this story a little bit. We see the location. We see the timing of everything. Over time, I often meet people, you know, ladies talk about, I think this is the guy for me, you know, we, we have coffee all the time, uh, you know, we talk all the time, and I feel like this is the guy, and that may be the case, but I want to encourage you, don't wake him up. He might be sleeping, that's okay. Let him sleep. <laughs> Let him sleep. And at the right time, at his midnight, he will wake up. And he will talk to you like Boaz did. Now, over the years, I've heard my sisters in church complain that Christian guys don't say nothing. They don't talk. 
They don't ask them out, they hang out, and all that kind of stuff, but they don't say anything. In fact, not too long ago, I was reading on Facebook, some lady complaining that the Christian singles in church don't say nothing, but the guys outside church, they blab all the time. They, they, they ask the ladies out. I'm saying this because here we see Boaz, right? He says to Ruth, he opened his mouth, he opened the door for Ruth to express herself, but Ruth did not respond by saying, I don't know. <laughs> you know how many ladies do this? You know what's so frustrating to some guys? You've been crying about, guys don't talk to me, no one has ever asked me out, blah, 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 and some guy shows up. A good guy. I understand if you're not interested in a guy. I get that. I'm not talking about that scenario. I'm talking about a scenario where a godly man approaches you, the kind of guy that you're open to be in relationship with. He opens his mouth and says, who are you? Why are you here? What's the deal? What's going on? And your response is, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You've been crying all this time. Wearing your girlfriend's out talking about he don't say nothing to me, blah, blah, blah. Or you say, nothing. What do you mean, nothing? So ladies, I want to encourage you. When the opportunity presents itself and he builds up the courage to open his mouth, say yes. Again, don't misunderstand me. If you're not interested, that's a different scenario. Please, and please be clear. I know you don't want to hurt his feelings. Guys, listen, that's life, okay? I'm not interested. You know, guys, take it and move on. Don't hate on her. Don't call her names. That's not necessary, okay? In fact, if you do that, you only proved or confirmed why she said no to you in the first place. So... So, <laughs> when the opportunities present themselves, ladies, just respond the correct way. Now, let's talk to the fellas. <laughs> Boaz said something to her. Okay? Guys, we can't, you know, expect the ladies to just get the hint. You got to say something to her. Be clear. Say something to her. Man, talk, man. You know what I'm saying? Yo. Yo, man. <laughs> Yo, man, I don't want to get rejected. Yo, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. No, you know. You got to say something to her, okay? Now, having said all of that, Boaz woke up at midnight, okay? He woke up, and the Bible says he turned, which means he must have been facing a different direction. So he woke up, and he turned. He looked at her, and he said what he had to say. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you might be around someone, you think he or she is sleeping, but he or she is not sleeping. They are wide awake. They're just not interested. I know it hurts. Believe you me, I've been there, and I'm sure a lot of you have been there. Maybe I need to wake him up. Maybe no, don't do that. I'm sure some of you have, and you saw what happened. Maybe no, no. 
sometimes they are wide awake and they are not interested. If they were interested, they will have turned and faced you and communicated with you in a way to reinforce the fact that they are interested in you. But sometimes they're just wide awake. And if they're not turning to see how precious you are, how beautiful you are, how awesome you are, then it doesn't necessarily mean they are bad. It just means they are not for you and you are not for them. All the same, I went through this spill to let you know that you have to be in the right location at the right time, and your location affects timing. Another example is in the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Abraham sends his servant to go find a wife for his son, Isaac. And some scholars have likened that scenario as the servant, his name is Eliezer, and Eliezer means God of help. And some scholars look at Eliezer like he's a picture or a type of the Holy Spirit. They look at Abraham the father as the father. They look at Isaac the son of promise as Jesus. And they look at Rebekah, the bride, as the bride of Christ, the church. So they kind of often make that kind of connection. But nevertheless, Abraham sends his servant to find a wife for his son, Isaac. So the servant goes, and in Genesis 24, 11, I'm going to paraphrase, the servant came by a well of water outside the city at evening time, the time women come to the water. So he changed location. He came to a specific location at a specific time. And if you read this story, it appears the lady that showed up in that location at that time that women, plural, are supposed to show up. It appeared one woman showed up. And she ended up being Isaac's wife. I want to share two things that cause delays sometimes, okay? The servant came to the well outside the city, which means Rebecca came outside the city to meet the guy who ended up connecting her to her husband who was also in a different location. So in order for her to get to him, she had to change location. One reason why some people are mad at God, asking why haven't you hooked me up? Why haven't you blessed me? Looking sideways at God, and God is saying, you haven't left your comfort zone. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you are informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.